everybody. Welcome into the porch. It is a VolQuest baseball podcast here on VolQuest.com and VolQuest on the YouTube channel. I am Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys being here with us and uh, listening uh, to what we have going on here today as Tennessee gets ahead to head uh, down to Athens to take on Georgia for another critical Southeastern Conference Series. VFL and home run champion Luke Lipsius will join me here in about 15 minutes. Uh, just as he does every single week on the porch. And a big thanks to Spivey King and Spivey LLP for making this coverage possible. Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, and Richard A. Spivey. If you got a problem, let them find a solution. TN Trial Lawyers, 423-245-4185 is the phone number for a free consultation or visit them online at Spivey King and Spivey LLP.com. Uh, got a lot to get into here today. And uh, man, I mean, w- what a difference two weeks makes, right? I mean, exiting the Arkansas series and really heading into the Vanderbilt series because Tennessee dropped that midweek uh, Tennessee Tech. You know, the Volunteers were 5-10 and 10 in conference play with 15 games left to go. And scratching and clawing, knowing that they needed to go on a run here in this back half of Southeastern Conference you know, schedule. Uh, did not foresee a sweep coming that weekend against Vanderbilt. Uh, Tennessee swept them. Tennessee bullied them. Okay, off to a great start. You needed to win that series, but it's not like you had to sweep, but but of course you'll take it, right? Mississippi State's coming to town. Take advantage of what's in front of you. Mississippi State can't pitch. Uh, they have no arms. Tennessee, you know, <laughs> caused a, not not Tennessee only, but of course they, they made a move this week and, and fired their pitching coach, Mississippi State did, and it's because they had they had nobody that could, you know, pitch strikes, and, and Tennessee got down early and often, in all three of those games, but you knew it was never over because Mississippi State, Mississippi State struggled to throw the, the baseball. So you swept Vanderbilt. You swept Mississippi State. You have a midweek against a Wofford program that's, you know, all intents and purposes, that's a pretty good midweek win. Not only did you beat them, you run-rolled them. That was a top 50 RPI win for the University of Tennessee that's now jumped back inside the top 20 in terms of RPI. And your record is 31 and 14, 11 and 10, first time all season that you have eclipsed the 500 mark in Southeastern Conference play, first time since last year. Tennessee drew even at 500 after the second weekend of Southeastern Conference play, fell victim of the sweep uh, to Missouri at Missouri, and then came home and swept Texas AM. And Tennessee was 3 and 3, but then it kind of dug itself in a hole and lost the majority of the series to follow with 5 and 10. And needed to go on the run, and that run is here, and that's what Tennessee is going on uh, right now. So you swept Vanderbilt, you swept Mississippi State, um, and now you look at Georgia, a very capable, or a very you know winnable, I guess I should say, very winnable series for the University of Tennessee, and um, that's going to be at Georgia this weekend. Sometime on Friday, I'm going to release a, a story, just some quotes and everything I've been asking this past week about playing on the road. It's no shocker, right? Tennessee's 1-9 on the road. One and one in neutral fields. The opener against Arizona in Game Three of the season out there in Arizona against UC Davis or UC up to Upstate, what UC San Diego, whatever the hell that team that is. Uh, those were considered neutral fields, but you were playing Arizona in Phoenix, right? I mean that you know home field advantage, right? It, it goes to the Cats. Um, and then of course you played at Grand Canyon, which was a really really good environment. I mean I was there. Um, it was it was really cool to see, to be honest with you. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, those that's kind of how you started the season. Of course, you fell by three games at Missouri. You were swept at Arkansas. You dropped two at LSU, um, and so on and so forth. So Tennessee's not been a good road team so far. And so that's kind of what gives me pause about this series. Tennessee's the better team. Tennessee's playing better right now. Um, but you're going on the road. You're going to you're going away from Lindsey Nelson Stadium. 
to a team that sure it's got a winning record at home this year. I think they're I think they're 15 and 11, maybe 16 and 11, whatever the case is. But it's not like they've been dominant at home. However, Georgia did sweep Arkansas just two weeks ago. I found that uh, uh, pretty interesting. Uh, we'll go ahead and dive into Georgia a little bit here before passing on a couple of notes uh, before we get into Luke Lipsius. You look at Georgia, you know, on the season, I mentioned uh, they've only won two conference series so far this season. That, that's it. Uh, they were swept by South Carolina at home to begin the SEC schedule, dropped two or three games at Auburn on the road. They were swept by Vanderbilt and Nashville, dropped two or three games um, in Gainesville uh, to Florida and dropped two or three in Oxford last weekend. They've won two series at home uh, where they uh, took two or three over Kentucky and they swept uh, Arkansas again two weekends ago. So a little, little all over the place, but not been super consistent. Um, I'll tell you this, you know, really on both sides of the ball, offensively and with the arms, kind of middle of the pack. The arms are bottom third for sure, uh, but the hitting guys kind of middle of the pack to bottom third in the lineup. Uh they were picked preseason fifth by the league's coaches in the SEC. They're currently sixth in the division, the East Division, with an 8-13 record. Um, the, the, the Bats are second in the conference with 88 doubles. They're fifth in home runs with 80, but also 10th in batting average with 286 and 12th in on-base percentage right now. I've I closed the tab of uh, the, the team stats in front of me, but in case you're wondering, Tennessee is currently tied for the the league lead with Florida and home runs. I think it was like 96. Tennessee's like fourth in team batting average, like 290-something. Um, Tennessee's obviously up there, run scored, hits, average, all that type of stuff. And it's gotten better uh, over over the last couple of weeks for sure. But Georgia, in terms of the bats, middle of the road to, to bottom third, if you will. Uh, you look at the pitching for Georgia. Now, it's, it's, it's down there towards the bottom. Uh, ranking towards the seller in the conference in ERA, 12th in the conference with a 627 clip. Not great. Opposing offenses are hitting 264 against Georgia pitchers. That is 11th in the SEC, meaning only three teams are worse than that. Um, the staff is combined for 413 strikeouts. That's 10th most, 10th most in the SEC. Georgia's allowed 61 home runs. That is only three teams in the SEC have allowed more so far this season. Uh, they plunked. Hit batters, they plunked a league-high 61 batters. Um, again, it, it's not that impressive in terms of the arm. And and I'm recording this on Wednesday, debuting this episode on Thursday, and I'll get confirmation on the starters on Thursday. But I would assume what they've done to each of the past two weekends. I think Arkansas will throw a righty and Colton Smith, a true freshman, uh, started doing some weekend starts a couple weeks ago after beginning the season in the bullpen. He is 2-1 and one with a 491 ERA. And then two south balls should follow him. Charlie Goldstein on Saturday, a 3-1 record, a 4.50 ERA, and Liam Sullivan, a 4-2 record, 4.73 ERA. Now, uh, the middle guy on Saturday, Charlie Goldstein, you know, he started a little rough, and he's looked a whole lot better of late. Let's see here. Um, he's made 11 appearances on the season with seven starts. Let's see here. Over the last month, he's allowed only seven earned runs across 28 and two-thirds inning pitch, combined 25 strikeouts and six walks. So Goldstein's pitching pretty well right now. As far as Sunday starter, the number three starter, Liam Sullivan, he's made every start this season. He's made 11 starts, 11 appearances. Um, he started off really, really sharp, but he's he's on a stretch right now where he's not pitching well whatsoever. 
He's not been the same since March 18th in a start against South Carolina where he pitched five innings, excuse me, where he allowed five runs and three innings and a third of work. Outside of a, a really, really good start against Kentucky on April 9th where he went seven strong, no runs, eight strikeouts, the Southpaw's given up a combined 23 runs across 27 and two-thirds innings pitched, uh, including uh, being knocked around for eight runs across 10 innings in his last two starts. I know I'm throwing a lot at you right now, but uh, read my preview that will come out Friday and it'll all be in written form. Um, so, yeah, your number two starter is really struggling here lately. Your, your number three starter is really struggling lately. Um, your number two starter for Georgia is pitching better lately. And then Colton Smith, your Friday night guy, he's yeah, he's all right. He's, he's, he's just been kind of a freshman so far this season. He's had his highs and his lows. He's not stretched out completely yet, so if that's who they go with. And, again, I'll get confirmation, and I'll have these. I'll, I'll put a note on the board on exactly who's going to be for Arkansas. Expect the same rotation for Tennessee for sure, um, with a, with an opportunity to, you know, win some games, secure a spot in the NCAA tournament, and, and now you're trying to host. Uh, expect the Lindsey Dolander beam rotation for Tennessee, but I'll I'll confirm these and put them on the board, put them in the war room, and all that type of stuff later on. But uh, that that's how you need to look out for kind of your kind of your preview there for Georgia's pitching. Leighton Finley and Dalton Radons. Two back into the bullpen guys. Both those guys are combined for five saves. Five of the team's eight saves. So those two guys will be kind of in the back end. And at the plate, they got three hitters, and that's pretty much it. And those three hitters are doing really, really well. So um, obviously, you got to be careful with those guys. Right fielder Charlie Condon. Condone, um, he leads the way with an impressive 404 batting average, 19 home runs, 57 RBI. All three easily leading the team and he hits second in the order preseason all sec left fielder connor tate three not three seventy nine at the plates 13 home runs 46 rbi hitting third in the order and then first baseman and cleanup hitter parks harbor 285 average 15 homers 48 rbi those are the three hitting two three and four in the order to look out for the leadoff man has seven ben anderson i think he has a team high seven stolen bags i don't run an awful lot but um, he's one to look out for. Connor Tate as well. He's stolen six uh, six bags. But outside of those three, nobody else in the starting lineup. The routine starters are hitting over 280 on the season. Nobody has over six home runs, and nobody has more than 22 RBI. So really it's a three-man show offensively for Georgia. But again, it's a team that's capable, that's shown that it's capable of winning big games at home. Swept Arkansas just two weeks ago. Um, at the time, Kentucky was playing pretty well, and it took two or three against Kentucky. Um, but it's a team that is so beatable, especially the way Tennessee is playing, if it can overcome its road issues for sure. All right, so um, quick math right here. A lot of you guys are continuing to ask about, you know, what what's the win number in the SEC Tennessee needs to get into to, to, to secure their spot in the NCAA tournament, to host, maybe a Super, all that type of stuff. And again, this is all give or take. Nothing is set in stone, and this is my opinion. You asked... A lot of other people that cover college baseball and they'll agree with me or they might say something is slightly different. Um, it's never set in stone what I'm about to say, but of course it could depend on the committees and obviously it could depend on the years we're asking. But to get in the NCAA tournament, if you're 14 and 16 in the SEC, that I mean, you're, you're, you're usually in. Tennessee right now is 11 wins in SEC play. So essentially you're looking at getting three more wins. You want to get more and you should get more. But you're essentially looking for three more wins and nine opportunities. So you feel good there. If you're 14 and 16 in that Southeastern Conference play, Tennessee in 2019 got in that way. Ole Miss last year got in that way and went on to win the uh, the entire thing. 
Um, 15 and 15 is an absolute lock. If you want to host a regional, uh, 16 and 14 with a top 40 RPI will likely get that done. Tennessee on pace to get 16 wins. Well, that's going five and four over the last nine, right? I mean, I think Tennessee can do that, don't you? Um, but 16 and 14 should get that done with a top 40 RPI. And if you win those games, the RPI, of course, will take care of itself. And you're already um, in a good spot in that regards. Hosting a super regional is on the table, but I don't think you should even be thinking about that right now. I really don't. I mean, focus on you know getting into the tournament, focus on hosting a regional. And if the wins come and, and you make a run in Hoover, maybe you get up to 17 wins in the SEC, maybe 18 wins and you go to Saturday, maybe Sunday in Hoover, then you're probably looking at hosting a super regional or getting that opportunity. So anyway, um, I would just, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep swimming, right, Dory? Just keep swimming and swimming because what you're doing right now is, is working really, really well. Uh, one other note before I get into our chat with Luke Lipsius here today on the porch. It's been really fun chatting with him all season long. He's really, really cool to talk to. He's been a good sounding board as well, you know, for questions that I may have just, you know, on the game, right? Um, Kavar's tears. I don't believe he will be available this weekend. I'll continue to ask. And, you know, you, you want to check in a couple of times throughout the week, but obviously you want to check in towards the weekend. Uh, but at the time of this recording, I would be stunned if he were to be available this weekend. I don't believe that's going to be the case. I think that he's probably, um, I mean, I, I'm not a doctor and I don't want to put a timetable on it, but, uh, you know, next weekend would be pushing it, in my opinion, uh, on, on the oblique injury from Kavar's tears. So, uh, we will see. When Tony made mention of that last weekend, he said it's going to be excited to get him back in the fold later. So um, I, don't, I don't think that he's close to returning right now with that oblique injury, which which sucks, man, because he's got a good bat and he deserves to play. He really does. Um, Tennessee right now, the way they're swinging it with Dylan Dryland, Griffin Merritts, uh, you, have, you have one really good option off the bench for sure for Tennessee. So uh, anyway, that's kind of where we stand right now. If you guys have any questions for me, you know, got to always hit me up on the board. You can send me a direct message if you want to. Um, ask a question on the board. You can always hit me up on Twitter at underscore Kaner. I see the questions. I always do my best to answer them. If I don't answer your question, maybe I didn't see it. Um, but I always do try to find some answers for you guys whenever you want to ask a question. So appreciate the interaction. It's a lot. Um, it's a lot of fun covering a Tennessee baseball team that's playing well. And I think I, I don't remember who said it. I don't remember who started this. Uh, of this thread on the board the other day, but somebody did and said, Hey, there's something fun about watching a team struggle at the beginning of the season and get better. Um, I don't think it's fun to watch a team struggle, but I, I get the premise of that seeing a team get better and better and just chipping away, getting better and better and better. And you're seeing that right now with Tennessee and that's exciting. And uh, I think they're doing a heck of a job. So um, can you find another way to win? Tennessee has blown big leads and one of the bottom of the ninth inning, Tennessee has been down uh, by a couple of runs and storm back to walk it off. You know, Tennessee's been down by a couple of runs, came back to win by a couple of runs. Tennessee's won them late. Tennessee's won them in extras. Tennessee's won them at home. Can you win them on the road? A very winnable series awaits in Athens. I'm going to be down there this weekend and looking forward to some good baseball and uh, bringing all that coverage to you at VolQuest.com. All right, so we've got Luke Lipsius. He is coming up next right here on... Uh, the Porch, it is a VolQuest baseball podcast each and every week. Uh, but first, we could not do this podcast without our without our friends, without our buddies 
over at Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, Richard A. Spivey, you got a problem? Let them find a solution for you. That's TN Trial Lawyers. They specialize in criminal defense, family law, personal injury. Examples of that, DUI, homicides, assault, uh, divorce, custody, alimony, personal wrecks, injuries, all that type of stuff. They have over 80 years of combined experience. Spivey King and Spivey LLP provides representation throughout the state and federal courts of Northeast Tennessee, a firm with a vast amount of trial experience. This practice has been in place for 43 years with this partnership forming in 2012. They have partners who are energized for today's modern legal demands, practicing primarily in Northeast Tennessee, uh, the Tri-Cities of Sullivan County, as well as Hawkins County, Washington County, and surrounding counties. The firm has won multiple awards and have attorneys who are rated by super lawyers in the Mid-South and real with real trial experience. Whether you're injured in a car accident, need a divorce, help with custody of your children, or have been accused of a crime, they are there to help. That's Bobby King and Bobby LLP. Uh, go see them in person. Kingsport, Tennessee. Go K-Match, right? 142 Cherokee Street. That is in Kingsport, Tennessee. Uh, give them a call today for a free consultation. 423-245-4185. That is 423-245-4185. Or you can always visit them online at LLP.com. Luke Lipsius coming up next on The Porch. Luke, it's been a fun couple of weeks. Tennessee back-to-back sweeps in SEC play. Now over 500 in conference play. Uh, how much fun was watching that series last week in a sweep of Mississippi State? Um, yeah, there was a, a lot of excitement. You know, it's it's something we haven't seen this year from the team, uh, minus that Vandy series <clears throat> where, I mean, Griffin Merritt, what, what is he doing on Fridays? Put him in, <laughs> having him as a, a pinch hit. It's another walk-off homer, absolutely unreal. And then just the fact that, you know, Saturday we were down by as much as I think it was either two or three runs. Come back, you know, get back down, come back again, you know, and score a bunch. It's this um, not giving up that we hadn't seen in the early parts of the season that I'm just loving watching. Uh, the guys look like they're finally having fun playing for each other. And then, of course, Sunday you run out, you run roll them, Bean, Bean throws a, a complete game. Um, it's it's good baseball, and it's the kind of baseball that we expect to see from the Vols. And, you know, it's it's the right baseball that we expect to see going into and leading up to the postseason. You kind of led into it there, but Tennessee won three games last weekend against Mississippi State in in three different ways. Friday night, you led big, they came back, and you still found a way to win. Um, Game two, which I guess is Friday, uh, Tennessee actually trailed by five runs, came Mm. back and won by four runs, and then Sunday, you just beat the crap out of them. How encouraging as a player, kind of when you're getting later and later in the season, is it to know that hey, looking back, we've won games in so many different ways. So it almost gives you a feeling like, I don't want to speak for you, but it almost gives you a feeling like it doesn't matter what situation you're in, you guys can find a way to win. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, I, I think I've said it a lot on this podcast is is just you're trying to build confidence. And if you see that when you're down, you can still win. If you see that when you're up, you can still win. And you can just downright beat uh, the crap out of a team. Um, it gives you all the more confidence to go out there and just play your best, all that stuff. And I think that this team is realizing that um, no matter how far down they are or up they are, whatever, they can score like that. You know, um, we've seen it mostly in the first inning, you know, a couple of times there's six or nine run first. But regardless, you know, you do that once and and it gives you confidence that you can do it again at any point. So, like I said, they're getting they're doing well at the right time. Um, they're looking a lot better, a lot more confident, and it's it's just so fun to see. 
you look at a guy like Christian Scott, and again, I've asked you about him a couple of times, but it's just so nice to see a guy like that being rewarded, fifth-year guy coming back, taking advantage of that extra year of eligibility. Has never really kind of gotten into a groove here at Tennessee, but he is this year. He's playing great in the outfield. He is the third-best hitter on the team in, in SEC play. Um, he was, I think, D1 Baseball, SEC Extra Plus, uh, player of the week last year. I mean, he was one of those three-run home runs on Sunday. He's killed it right now. How much fun is that to watch Christian Scott do what he's doing? It is absolutely amazing, that guy, because he was with us when um, things were fairly bad, you know, and he stuck around. And that's one so hard thing, kind of a forgotten thing in today's game, is seeing kids stick around because the transfer portals, portal's right there. You don't have to sit out a year, so you can just get up and leave. And so the fact that he chose to stick around, you know, it's always a, a dicey decision. You never know what's going to happen. And I'm so happy to see it paying off for him. Um, you know, you saw him starting really early on and then kind of took a break from that. And now he's an everyday guy again. And it's just one of those stories that you look back when the season's over. You're like, um, he can rest well and rest easy knowing that, you know, he went through all that he did. He stuck around and it, it turned out well for him. And I just absolutely love seeing a fellow old guy doing what he does and, uh, and, and making a, making big moves on that, on that ball field. Kind of on that same note, I wrote a feature on him earlier this week, Hunter Inslee, um, you know, sticking through and it, what started out is, Hey, let's just get a right-handed bat in the order. Whenever there's a South ball on the mound has turned into an everyday player playing center field. He's now moved up to the two hole. Um, he's got, I think, a hit in seven straight games. He's reached base like 12 of the last 13. Um, Hunter Inslee, another guy that's just stayed the course, playing really good baseball. Yeah, and and a guy that had to deal with injuries. You know, that's another thing that people don't realize how um, there's a difference between just straight up not playing and then not playing due to injury. Because mm -hmm. one of them, you know, it's it's you can kind of work to – get in that starting rotation but if you're injured there's really nothing you can do so it's almost that extra level of of kind of sadness that you feel but so for him going through that all freshman year um and then to to now where he's at doing so well another great story to see and and i just i love watching him he's a great guy too um it's it's so awesome tennessee earlier this week um i had a I had a midweek win a run roll win against walford and Walford wasn't your typical midweek opponent at a top 40 RPI or top 50 RPI. I think it was like 45th, 46th, uh, 32 and 11 on the year. It's had some pretty decent wins. Um, how big of a showing was that for Tennessee in a midweek to run rule a team like Walford where you're just trying to continue to stack up all these RPI wins? Yeah, so the midweeks, they are kind of different um, from the weekend. What you expect to see is kind of an offensive game, uh, whatever midweek you go into. And so the fact that we are putting up all these runs, but also limiting them to so few runs, so good to see. You know, you got um, not necessarily the dogs, but you still got your good guys going out there and they're doing what they need to do in a midweek. And again, it goes back to a mentality thing. If you're doing what you need to do in a midweek, then the the weekend almost takes care of itself you know because you're you're psyching yourself out you're getting ready and you're not taking anything for granted and i think that's what we're seeing from this team after that bandy series they're not taking anything for granted they're playing a lot better and they're actually playing for something now whatever what that something is i don't know um but whatever it is they keep on doing it great to see a good midweek win and another run rule you know send them home early yeah, Tony Tony sure loves that for sure. That's a little, little sarcasm there. Would you have liked the run rule? I would imagine probably not, but it, it wasn't around when you when you play. But did, would you have enjoyed the run rule? So it it depends. Um, 
there's I think as far as development of players go, the run rule hurts you because mm-hmm. those seven, eighth, and ninth innings are when you get um, the so-called substitutes, usually just freshmen that don't have a lot of ABs, into the game so they get experience. So when you take away that run rule, you're limiting the experience for the guys. Now, with that being said, there are times where maybe it's cold, it's rainy, and you're up by Iona. 15. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're up by however many that you just want to like send it home. Those are nice. And then, uh, of course, you're winning by whatever, 20-something against Mississippi State. Let's just pack it up, you know. Uh, <laughs> but other, other than that, I think it's it's good for pitching as well because you get to save some arms, um, especially on a big weekend series. But, you know, I mean, I don't think we would have set as many records if we had the run roll in play last year, you know. Uh, so it's it's it kind of give and take, you know. No, you're exactly right. I mean, a lot, a lot of those runs, a lot of those home runs – there was a run rule in place last year. A lot of those will be off the board, so that's a really, really good point. Um, you mentioned it a moment ago. It's kind of like you got something to play for now. You always have something to play for, but now that you've turned the season around, not only are you playing for an NCAA postseason berth, which, again, you know, knock on wood right now, but you've won six straights. You're now 11-10 and 10 in conference play. You really only need to win three of the last nine and where your RPI is going to be to to feel good about your NCAA chances. So, uh, that, that's one mountain that you're climbing at an accelerated pace, which is good. Now you're in play potentially one thing at a time, but you can, you can maybe be in play for hosting a regional. Actually, you're very much in play for hosting a regional and potentially hosting a super. If it gets to that point, it's still on the table. So, you know, we'll see exactly what happens, but um, just how different, how different and how as a player, I don't want to say you're comfortable now, but how much more does that, I guess, encourage you to just keep going, knowing that the season's turned around and you have a chance to play for some home playoff games? Yeah, so it it's, it means the world. Um, just the fact that they put themselves in such a good position that they still need to worry a little bit, but not necessarily need to worry yeah. about that playoff berth. It takes a lot of pressure off of you. You can go out and just keep doing what you're doing. Now, if I'm there in the dugout, I'm or in the locker room, dugout, whatever, practice, I'm letting the guys know how fun it is to host a regional, especially in Knoxville. These fans, they go absolutely absurd. Um, and so that's just one of those motivating things. You know, you find every little thing you can to motivate guys. Um, so that's one of the things I'm telling them. Um, I'm telling them, you know, beginning of the season, people were were frustrated at us, you know, frustrated at the Vols. And I'm telling them what we're doing now is, is bringing this revitalization. I think I saw that. Um, it was either Saturday or Friday for Mississippi State was the fourth largest crowd program mm-hmm. history. You know, you see that when the team's doing what it's supposed to do and it's it's doing it in a fashion that um, is kind of the vol way, people want to come see you. And it's it's more fun to play again in front of uh, 4,000 than it is 2,000. And it's all these it's all these things, you know, um, chances at Omaha, chances for hosting super chances for you just put them all together. And, and take it as that motivating factor for, hey, we're going to keep grinding no matter what's going on. I mean, I mean we're, we're towards the end of the regular season here, understanding there's nine games left. But I just I, I really I like and like and like this lineup so much more now um, because there were so many questions at the beginning of the season and they're playing poorly and trying to figure themselves out and everything. And that's understandable. But, um, you know, one of those guys that just makes this thing go and he, he'll be a draft pick and. Um, he's playing great baseball right now. Jared Dickey hitting 350 in SEC, around 350 in SEC play. Um, he's got, he's a guy that it feels like every single game he's doing something. They moved him up to the three hole, which I absolutely love because I think he, you know, 
I don't want to say that he's the best hitter on the team, but he's obviously up there as being one of the best hitters on the team. I, I think Blake Burke is still, you know, one of our, arguably the best hitter on the team. Regardless, but Jared Dickey's playing some really, really good baseball right now. Coming to his own in the outfield now, he's not catching anymore. What, what have you seen from Jared Dickey? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. He's always been so steadfast, um, even last year, and you kind of just expect him to go up there and get a hit. But now it's like it seems like every single time he's up, it's he's he, like you said, he's doing something. Yeah. And moving him into into the three hole um, as a guy with that kind of bat to ball skills plus a little bit of power, absolutely a great move. Uh, the the moment doesn't get too big for him either. You see him still driving in runs, all that good stuff, and it it takes pressure off of guys like Burke or Simo, who Simo before uh, this week and weekend was struggling a little bit. We mm-hmm. saw him turn it around. Absolutely love that. And then a guy like Burke, he's, again, steadfast. But, you know, he was not himself, and maybe it was pressure, whatever. Dickey moving into that three hole is one of the best moves they could have made. Um, yeah, like you said there, the lineup's just rolling right now. It's awesome. Yeah, and Blake Burke is still trying to figure it out defensively. There was a play last night. And, again, I'm not trying to act like a, an all-knowing expert at first base. That's you. But there, there was a play last night where um, a throw from, I guess it was C. Scott in right field, to the plate and Burke cut it off and man if you let that go like I mean that'd been a play at the plate I'm not saying he'd be out but he'd be close so mm-hmm. I think Burke is still you know and it'll take a little while but he's still trying to figure out that yeah, first definitely, base definitely coming into his own yeah 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 for sure all right uh look at that starting rotation now it's a couple weekends in Andrew Lindsay Chase Dolander Drew Beam Beam is two starts removed from a bounce back from Arkansas which is fantastic SEC pitcher of the week I think Andrew Lindsay's still giving you great stuff on Friday nights Doe was sick this past week. Um, what's it say about him that he still gave it a go? Uh, in my opinion, and talking with some people and seeing kind of what he looked like, he probably shouldn't have pitched on Saturday. You know, it's one of those things. Um, as a, the culture at Tennessee is built so that the only way you're being sat down in a game is if someone else tells you. You know, if Woody's coming yeah. out there and he's like, hey, dude, you got you to gotta leave. Um, that's the only way you're getting taken you're out. You're breathing, so, you're playing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if <laughs> if you're sick, you know, um, it, it makes it tougher for sure. But, you know, all of us have played through being sick. So it, it's kind of expected. And that's not taking anything away. It is still extremely difficult to play when you're sick. Um, so him going out, you know, he was, he was shaky. But um, it's just another reason to have a, a bounce back start. And it's one of those things I'm hoping that in his head he's – flipping that negative to a positive and saying, Hey, um, I got a big chance to bounce back at Georgia, keep us rolling, that kind of stuff. And he's probably going to feel twice as good now since he wasn't feeling good last weekend when he goes into the game this weekend. Um, again, Lindsay giving such strong starts every time he goes out there and then <laughs> Byron's coming in doing his thing. Absolutely electric. And then of course, beam, like you said, um, two weeks removed from that, Rough start over at Arkansas. He's going to do his thing. I am nothing but confident about uh, this this starting rotation going into the weekend. Yep, I am too. Um, and, and you went through there. I mean, just such elite reliever options right now. Chase Burns doing his thing. He looked good last weekend as well. Um, was available to pitch on Sunday. Uh, didn't end up needing him. But um, Halverson's struggling a little bit. How important is it to get Halvey back on track and also – it feels like it's just somebody that's sticking out every weekend, man. Cannon Sewell was the guy this past weekend. He looked great uh, in that's in the game two where Tennessee had the big lead. 
um, or no, when Tennessee, um, you know, was down a lot, came back, got a couple mm-hmm. run lead, and then they put him in there, and he kind of settled everything down, had some emotion. How big was Camden Sewell, and how big is it for uh, Tennessee whenever he's pitching like that? Yeah, well, I'll go to your your first part of that question, Halvey. Um, he's kind of a crucial part in this because hopefully we don't need him, but there's going to be a point at which we need him to go that long relief roll three or four innings and and shut it down. And if we don't have that guy that's another Burns-like dude that can come in that has starter experience that um, can pitch for a while, it's going to hurt us a little bit. Um, but I think he'll he'll be one of those guys that we see bounce back to just figuring a little bit of stuff out, whatever it is. But then Sewell, oh my God, he's bringing so much electricity to the back end of that bullpen. I love seeing uh, a veteran guy that still has that fire. You know, it's easy to do when you're younger. It's hard to do when you've been through it four or five years. Um, seeing him going out there with the emotion he's pitching with, he's, he's one of those guys that you just depend on. And uh, you see that he has a lot longer leash than some of these other kids because I think it was uh, last weekend, not last weekend, two weeks ago. Um, not the best. I think he walked a couple mm-hmm. guys, hit a couple guys in, in an inning or two. Um, and of course you still see him being rolled out in these big situations. And that's how much trust they have in, in cam. And, and uh, it's so awesome watching him pitch because you know, he's, he's going to give you something and it's going to be hard outs. Nothing's really hit hard off his bat either. It's just great. All right, it's Tennessee and Georgia this weekend. Tennessee, um, it's kind of a theme for the week, and and it's not you're not trying to pick on the team, but it just I mean it is what it is. You're one and nine on the road. Um, uh, I asked the guys in, in post game on Tuesday, and, and I asked Tony a little bit, kind of how do you take what is happening now and during that nine game or ten game homestand, whatever it was, when you played such great baseball, how do you take that on the road? Kind of kind of what's that key? Yeah, you know. Um you got to come out strong and everyone's going to be able to feel it. You know, um, this sense of we haven't performed on the road, but it's that first inning. And I'm not necessarily necessarily saying score nine runs in the first, but have good ABs show that you're fighting, come up, like just do something that gets the boys motivated and going. Because if, if we see like we have seen where they're just kind of sitting down first inning and then, it gets worse second, third, you know, and this this morale goes down. Um, that's where we, we hurt ourselves. And I think this team has done a lot better job of keeping that morale up, um, keep doing things that will get them motivated. Uh, but I like like I said, I think it's coming out strong and, and setting the tone, not only for that game, but for the weekend. Here's an idea. How about not letting the opposing team score in the first inning? I don't know what it is about the first inning. Um, you know, even like as, as good as Dolander's pitched here in the last month, like you give up a run or two in the first inning, then you're good. <laughs> like I just, I, I don't, I don't get it. it. It doesn't make sense. It, it's a different mentality in the first inning, but still, like it seems like the only runs team score against us. Well, majority, I should say, yeah. are in that first inning. So it's whatever. We're doing a lot better job at scoring after they score. Yeah, I mean, and again, finding ways to win. Mississippi State, the the order, the offense was not the issue. Mississippi State had a lead on Tennessee every game last weekend, and Tennessee came right back. Um, last thing, Luke, is as we talk with former Tennessee first baseman Luke Lipsius here on the porch every single week, ballquest.com. What do you know about Georgia? I, I wouldn't expect you to watch every single game for Georgia, but it's a team that kind of all over the map. Um, you know, two weeks ago they swept Arkansas. Okay. Um, they they have a they have a losing record in SEC play, but they have had some big wins on the season. They have a three headed monster in that lineup, and Charlie Condon, Connor Tate, and 
Parks Harbor. Um, a lot of guys that you played against for a couple of years who were still there. Yeah, you know, they're one of these weird teams that you never know what you're going to get because, I mean, how do you have a losing record, come out and sweep Arkansas, and then go right back to losing? You know, it's no. it's just one of those things where it, you know, you'd almost rather face a team that's consistently good or consistently bad. Um, I don't think it takes anything away from the guys playing their best or whatever, but they they have a, a pretty good offense. You know, they got a, a big core that... I, that I assume they rely on, like you said, I haven't watched much of the games, but I looked at, at the stats. You got this, this core group of guys, I assume when they go, the team goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's maybe putting a little bit more emphasis on their at-bats. But as far as pitching goes, you know, I think their lowest ERA is, is somewhere around four, which isn't horrible, especially this year. But they're, they're a beatable team. And if we play like we have been, um, it should not be anything to worry about. But again, they're they're a, a tough Georgia team. They're coached well, and they're playing in their own park. So it's it's going to be a tough road series for the guys. And I know V is is harping on that. And um, I'd, if they just keep on playing like they have been, be just fine. Yeah, swept Arkansas two weekends ago. Lost to Georgia State in the midweek, and of course midweeks. You know we know how Tennessee plays midweek, so we get it. Um, at least at least pitching. Uh, took two of three, or sorry, dropped two of three in Oxford last weekend, and then uh, just got by Kennesaw State ten to nine uh, on Tuesday this past week. Got Tennessee this weekend, then we'll be uh, there against Missouri and LSU. Mm-hmm. It's a bad way to end the regular season, but yeah, Georgia's a, a little all over the place. But I would agree with you. Very beatable teams. What I said earlier in the show. And uh, if you play the way you've been playing right now, there's no reason you don't take two or three, but you got to get over those road hiccups. And I'm excited to see if Tennessee can do that. Yeah, I am too. Um, it's, you know, it's, it, if defense is good, I think the offense will be there. I think the pitching will be all right. So it's the, the road is where it seems like we make that one error and things snowball. So just, just keep that good, you know, play a little um, good ball. I've, I remember their fields, always been relatively nice to us it plays fast so it's almost mm-hmm. like playing on turf when it's like wet or whatever so i think i think they'll be fine um i know i said last thing like 10 minutes ago but i do think that um this will tell us exactly kind of again tennessee's already turned the season around and they've been playing good ball but like this this series i think will tell us a lot because again you're you're going on a team that's capable of beating you a little all over the place on the road and then if you win this series, I mean, you're you're sitting straight in the driver's seat, staring a you know a hosting a regional in the eyes. So any way you want to spend it, I think this is a monster weekend for Tennessee. Yeah, like you said, um, it is a big weekend because the way things are going, most likely we will see a road game or series in the postseason. Yeah, and you know it, it's never good to look ahead. Whatever I'm going to do it anyways. Um, we need to be able to win on the road, just point blank, even. Uh, hopefully we make it to Omaha, that is on the road. So if, yeah. it, it's fine if we're good at home. It's all fun, but we have not proven that we're good on the road. I'm hoping this is the weekend we do it and we turn it around. All right, Luke, we'll uh, we'll chat next week right here on the porch, and we'll see how Tennessee fares at Georgia from over the weekend. Man, I appreciate it as always. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. That is Tennessee, former Tennessee first baseman Luke Lipsius, home run king of the Tennessee baseball program former Tennessee first baseman, and uh, joins us every single week right here on The Porch. All right, that is going to do it here for this edition of The Porch. Tennessee is on the road to Georgia coming up this weekend. Friday night, 6 o'clock is the, uh, is the time. Saturday, 2 o'clock. Sunday, 1 o'clock. All three games 
are going to be broadcasted on the SEC Network Plus. Uh, so that is where you can watch all the action. I will be down there bringing you coverage of VolQuest.com. You can always follow me on the General Quarters and, of course, at underscore Kaner and at VolQuest underscore on three. Guys, I appreciate it as always. Super excited to see what Tennessee looks like this weekend. And like I just chatted with Luke there, that's a monster weekend. Any way you want to spend it. When I write that 3-2-1 uh, for, for Monday, we're going to be saying, um, you know, Tennessee uh, backed itself into a corner or Tennessee is sitting in the driver's seat just – uh, sprinting towards hosting a regional. So it's going to be a big weekend, and I can't wait to see what happens. Big shout-out to Spivey King and Spivey LLP for making all of this coverage possible here on The Porch. And a special shout-out to you guys for tuning in and checking us out here on The Porch every single week. It is a Ball Quest baseball podcast.